a song about how wonderful our Savior really is. Why do you want to go to heaven? Why do you want to, to be there forever? Well, because that's where our Savior is. And He is so wonderful. So now we'll sing one song uh, called Wonderful, Merciful Savior. Precious. Re- 
Amen. How wonderful and how merciful is, is our Savior. We, we could not feel the depths of the ocean with how wonderful and merciful he is to us. But we praise him today. So let's go ahead and take a few minutes of fellowship before we get to the sermon here this morning.
Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn with, him, with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Uh, and today, I want to ask probably the most important question uh, that you can ask when it comes to the second coming. And it is really, I mean, to me it is, but I think you'll agree with me, that the, the question is not what do we know, that do, we, do we see the signs, do we know the timing of his coming. The, the main idea of this entire sermon in Matthew 24 and 25 is to get us to this question where we ask ourselves, am I ready for the second coming of Christ? We have to ask ourselves that. That's the whole point. That's the bottom line. That's where Jesus wants to get us to. And today, that's what he wants us to ask. That's what he wants us to answer. So Jesus taught this whole thing to get us to this point. He told us all the signs. He gave us all the warnings to get us to this question. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? So I want to ask you that today. And I want to, I want to stress the you. Are you ready right now in this moment, ready for the return of Christ? And it's not just that we'll be ready today and in this moment. We must remain ready every single day. Always be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask that question, and I want to ask it over and over and over throughout this sermon, and I want you to answer it. it should be, we should be doing some, some soul-searching in this, looking deep within our hearts and saying, am I ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Because it takes more than just being saved. That's part of it, but there's more here. So I want to ask that question. That's the title of the sermon. Are you ready for the return of Christ? And my whole goal in preaching this, and probably for the next month, is to make sure that our people sitting in these pews are ready for when Jesus returns. So let's stand together. I want to read these, these verses together. Matthew chapter 24. I want to read verses 45 to 51. And we get to finish Matthew 24. We've spent about four months here. Uh, so you guys should be cheering loudly that we finally made it to the end of chapter 24. Uh, and we may take just as long in Matthew 25. I don't know. But uh, here we go. Starting in verse 45. Let me read through verse 51. It says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? To give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and here's the, the other side, those who aren't ready. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink and, and with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour that he is not aware of. And he shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's only two types of people in this passage, the ones who are ready and the ones who aren't ready. So we need to ask ourselves, which one are we? So as we study this today, I want us to examine our hearts, to do some soul searching. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for passages like this. There's, there's deeply theological passages that are so fun to preach. I love those passages. But then we come to these very, very practical passages where we get uh, not really into our minds, but into our daily lives and say, do we live differently because of what we know about the return of Christ? So God, I pray that you'd use these verses today to prepare the hearts of every person in this room for your return. Please, God, prepare us. Let us be a people who are found faithful, whether it be when you return or when our time to die comes. Teach us what it means to be faithful to you. And God, if there's anyone in this room who is not saved, I pray that today, by your spirit and through the preaching of your word, that you will let them see Show them their sin and their need of a Savior. And that today would be the day that they would be saved. Please, God, work through this passage today. Let your word accomplish its purpose today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Steph left me home alone last night with four out of my five kids. And that's one of the most dangerous things that Steph could ever do, is to leave me home alone with four out of the five kids. And, and that, so there we were, and Steph, uh, I don't know if she knows that we did this, but I, I was sitting in the living room, the kids were going crazy, I said, hey, let's play a game. And they all come into the living room, and, and I even had Hallie, I said, we're going to play a game, and here's the game we're going to play. I want you guys to go and hide, and I'm going to count for about 50 seconds, or upwards of five minutes. <laughs> Long enough for me to finish this football game. <laughs> and you guys go anywhere in the house you want to go, and you guys hide. 
I want you to go and you can hide anywhere you want. And I told him, I said, you can even hide in, in Gracie's room. She's not here right now. She will never know. You can hide in her room. You can hide in mom's room. You can hide anywhere you want to hide. And I'm going to count. And at the end of me counting, I'm going to say these words. And you guys know the words. Ready or not, here I come. And so I sit down and I, I began to count. And I really, I, I put it on my phone. I said, I'm not going to count. I'm going to watch the game. And I'm going to let them hide. And I'm going to do a little countdown on my phone. And, and then we'll go. And that's what I did. I let it go, and I know I went longer than 50 seconds because the football game was, again, it was a very intense game. <laughs> so I let them hide just for a little bit longer than what they were supposed to hide. And they were hiding, and about time I figure, okay, they've been hiding long enough. They're going to come looking for me in a second. I said those magic words. I said, here we go, guys, ready or not, Dad's coming. And I took off looking, and I said, I'm going to find every single one of them. And, and, and I, I looked in closets, and I looked behind doors, and I, and I kept repeating that phrase over and over and over. Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. And, and you know that even as I was saying those words, they were frantically trying to find the right hiding place. You know, in the corner, under a blanket, in a closet, somewhere, trying to get themselves ready for Dad on his way. Now, that's a game, and it was fun. I won. I found every one of them. Yeah, then, yeah. I could have kept it going for a long time. Steph come home, like, I don't know where they're at. They went to hide, and they're really good at it. But those words, ready or not, here I come, kept echoing in my mind. Ready or not, here I come. Because that was a game. But what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 24 is so very serious. Jesus is coming back. This is the real thing. What he's saying here is true. Verse 35 says that Jesus coming back is as certain or more certain than even the sun coming up in the morning. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is coming back. There is a a countdown. We don't know when. We don't know how long. We don't know if it's going to be a a few seconds or a few minutes or a few hours or even a, a few days and a few years. We don't know when he's coming back, but Jesus is coming back. It could be any time. There is a countdown. He knows the time. He knows when he's coming. Only he knows. And when the time is up, it'll be ready or not, here I come. That's what Jesus has been saying over and over in this passage. He's been trying to get this point across more than any other point he's going to get across. We spent so much time trying to focus on the, the when Jesus is coming back and, and trying to get all, all the signs lined up and, and putting all the pieces together and, and, and getting out a whiteboard and saying, this is going to happen and, and this is going to happen and I know this and I know that and, and I, I've got it down to a, a science of when he's coming back. We spent all the time on that, but Jesus' focus here isn't on the when, it's on are you ready? He says that repeatedly, be ready, be on watch, be aware, take heed, be awake. Those phrases are are throughout the sermon. The goal of the sermon, the bottom line of the sermon, isn't to give us details, it's to get us ready. He's not giving us information, He wants us to change the way we live our lives based upon the information He's given us. Be ready. So the question we have to ask today is, are you ready? Are you prepared? And it's as important a question as you'll ever ask. Because at any second, we could be standing face to face to God. At any moment, we could be standing before God and giving account for everything that we've done in our life. At any moment, we could be standing in the presence of God. It could be in a split second, you're standing before God and giving account for everything you've done in your life. So the question again is, are you ready? Ready or not, he's coming. So that's what Jesus is going to do here. Starting in verse 45 and going really all the way through chapter 25. So get ready for this. He's going to get us ready. He's going to uh, look deep into our lives and say, how are you living? He's going to look into our lives and, and see if we're living differently because of what we just learned. So he starts here in verse 45 with a parable. And he gives us two servants. This is a story. He's going to give us a servant who's ready and a servant who's not ready. Two groups here. There's only two groups. There's nobody in the middle. You're going to be in one of these two groups. You're either going to be ready or you're going to be not ready. And and that's the the way the kids were yesterday. As I took off, ready or not, here I come. And I gave them extra time. There were kids who were ready and there was kids still frantically trying to find a spot. 
I mean, they're in the middle of the, of the, of the room trying to find somewhere to hide. You know, maybe dad won't see me. They wasn't ready. So you're one or the other. Which one are you? I have two points for you today. I bet you can guess them. Ready or not. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's as simple as it can get. I told Brandon, I spent all week long trying to, to make it more complicated than what it was. Get this outline here and all this figured out. And I thought, last night as I was playing that game with my kids, I thought, this is as, as simple as it gets. You're either ready or you're... Okay, I don't know if you guys are You guys aren't ready for that, were you? You're either ready or you're... There's no, no, no middle ground. So let's look at this. Let's do some examining of our hearts, uh, soul searching, and ask, am I ready or am I not? Point number one, I want to show you the servant that was ready. It says in verse 45, Jesus tells this story. And, and I want you to know the characters in the story first. I want you to know, he, look what he says. He said, who, who then is a faithful and wise servant? So he's talking about a servant whom his Lord, that's the master, has made ruler of his household to give him meat in due season. So the master has left and he's left certain servants there to do some work. So Jesus is the master and we are the servants. That's the, the relationship we, that we have with Jesus. He's the master. He's the curios is what the word would be. He's, he's Lord and we are the slave. We are the, the servant. We are the, 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 the doulos. Jesus is master. We are servant. He's left us here to do some work. So he gives us the first servant in verse 45. He calls this servant, and I think this is the servant that we all want to be. I don't think anybody in here would say, I want to be the other servant, the one that's not ready. Everybody in here, if I went around the room and, and talked to every one of you individually, which servant do you want to be? You would say, I want to be the, look what it says, the faithful and the wise. I wouldn't want to be, verse 48, the evil one. So I want to tell you today how you can be the faithful and the wise. Look what it says. I, I, who then is a faithful and wise servant? The word faithful is, this is what we want to be. We want to be found faithful when he returns. We want to be, the word faithful is trustworthy. The word faithful is reliable. It means consistent. It means the one that can be counted on. Amen. I like that word. I, I circled that word. I want to be a faithful servant. I want to be one that Jesus can count on. I want to be the trustworthy one. I, I, I want to be the one that is reliable, that is, is consistent day in and day out. May we all be the faithful servant. Amen. And then he gives another word there, the, the wise which, as simple as it can be, it means you're not foolish. You're not wasting your life. You're not silly. You know what's important. You know what really matters. And you spend your life doing that. That's what a wise person does. They know what's important. They know what matters more than anything else. And they spend their entire life pouring themselves into what really matters most. That's somebody who's wise. A fool would spend his life doing things that don't matter. You with me on that? I want to be a wise servant. I want to spend my life doing what matters the most. So that's what he says. So he starts here with the faithful and the wise servant. And again, I want to pray that every one of us will be the faithful and wise servants. That's what we want to be. You're not ready unless you're a faithful and wise servant. If you're an evil servant who's wasting his life, you're not ready. And I'm, 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 I fear that there's a lot of people in the church that isn't faithful or wise. And they're not ready. So let's look at this. He says, who then is the faithful and the wise? What does the faithful and wise look like? What do they do? You see that? There's a question mark at verse 45. Who is this faithful and wise servant? Who the Lord put over his household to give him meat in due season? Who is this guy? What's he like? What's his, his character like? What does it mean to be faithful and wise? And I, I've got you three characteristics of a faithful and wise servant. I'm giving you two points, but you guys know me. Two points means a dozen subpoints. This is my way of tricking you, thinking, oh, short sermon. I want to give you three characteristics of a wise and faithful servant, and you tell me if you have them. This will determine whether you are ready or not. First, this servant is an obedient servant. And I've picked this thing apart. Look what it says. You say, where do you find obedience at? He says, who then is a faithful and wise servant 
But whom is the Lord hath made ruler of his household to give him meat in due season? So, so the master has told his servant to do something. He's giving him a task. He's, he's giving him a, a job to do. He's giving him duties to follow. And his duty is to give meat in due season. It's your job to give meat to people. It's your job to be a servant, to, to hand out food every single day. And then he says in verse 46, Blessed is that servant who, when the Lord comes, finds him so doing. Finds him doing what he's told to do. You with me on that? He told him to do something. He does that something. That's called obedience. He's doing what he's told. The number one characteristic of a faithful Christian and of a faithful servant is obedience. Doing what the master says. You're not a faithful servant if you don't do what the master says. You're not a good employee if you don't do what your employer or says. That's what he's saying. It's obedience. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? James 1 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. 1 John 2 says, We know that we know him when we do or keep his commandments. It's the number one characteristic of a faithful follower of Christ is obedience. That you have complete obedience. You don't, you don't set aside a few things that I'll obey. And these things I like to do, so I'll do those things. But these things I'm not too sure about. It's complete and total obedience to the master. Whatever he says, I'll do. And we don't teach it enough. But we want to be found being obedient when Jesus comes back to whatever it is he's told us to do. So what's he telling you to do? I think you need to know the full counsel of God, to be able to read the Bible and say whatever he tells me to do in this passage or in this sermon, I'm going to do that. Maybe he's called you to be a father of your home or a mother in your home or maybe he's called you to serve in the church in some way. But whatever he's telling you to do, you do that thing. I know that as a Christian, the first thing he tells you to do is get baptized. I wouldn't want Jesus to come back and me not being obedient to the most simple command that he ever gave to be baptized. Whatever it is, you do what he says. That's number one. Number two, so the first one was he's obedient. The second one is he's he's active. He's an active servant. I like that, to give meat in due season. You know what that means? To constantly... Seize every season, every day, every week. As long as the master is gone, it's your job to continually feed people every season. Again, let me go back to my house. I've got five kids. They want to be fed a lot. They need to be fed a lot. It, it is our job, as I've been given that job as, as, a, as a father, as a, as a husband, to, to provide for my family. I need to provide every single meal for them every day until they get out of my house. Then we'll have all kinds of food and all kinds of money in our house. But until then, it's my job to put food on the plate for my kids. Every single day, all the time. It seems like Steph is always cooking, always serving, always uh, handing food to our kids. Midnight. We want ramen. All the time. That's what he's saying here. It's, it's active. Ongoing service. In the interest of others. He describes here somebody who's busy serving the Master. Amen. He describes somebody here who's consumed with the Master's work. He's describing a the waiter we all want in a restaurant. I love the waiter or the waitress that is so consumed with making sure my drink is full. Right? I mean, it's like I take a drink of water and, and whoosh, take another drink. Whoosh. It's like I'm the only customer in the entire restaurant. She, is, she or he is consumed with making sure that they're serving me well. I love it. You, you go to the huddle house and, and you take a drink of coffee and it starts to get warm. More coffee. I want always coffee in my cup when I'm there. Serve me well. That's what this is. Busy, active, always working. He's describing that. that that's, you want to be found when Jesus comes back actively serving Him. That's what this is. Not wasting time. Not spending your time doing your, your own thing. Spending your time consumed with His work, His kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Putting Him first. Giving the best that you have. 
We want to be found when Jesus comes back serving the master to the best of our ability. Giving him all that we have. My question is, are you too busy to be busy for Jesus? Way too many Christians that spend all their time and all their energy and all their effort in, in all these other different things and has no time for serving Christ. When you stand before him one day when he comes back, will you say, I had all these other things that I had going on and I had no time to serve you? That would be a foolish servant. There's a lot of people that want to eat at the table of the Lord, but there's not many people that want to serve him in his field. Are you giving him the least that you have? When Oswald Chambers wrote maybe the best devotional that's ever been written, my utmost for his highest. Everything that I have ought to be given to serving in his kingdom. That's being faithful. That's being wise. I know what matters the most, and serving him matters more than anything else in this world. That I would give him all the best of my time, all the best of my, my money, all the best of my efforts. Everything that I have should be poured into serving Christ. Amen. That's what it's saying here. You may not like that, but this is, this is what it's saying. You ought to be preoccupied. That's what he was, constantly doing the work of the master. And, and let, let me give you the, the third one. He ought to be loyal. I've given you obedience. I've given you active. And, and now I want to give you loyalty. It says that when he comes, you see this? It says, who then is faithful and wise? Whom his Lord hath made ruler of his house to give him meat in due season. Blessed is that servant that when, he, when his Lord comes, finds him doing it. All the way up to the end. When he comes, he finds him still doing it. He served all the way to, to, the, to the very end. He stayed on task. He never, never stopped. He never slowed down. He finished. Like a runner running a race that would... Cross the finish line full speed with his chest held out. Like Paul who said in 2 Timothy, I've finished the course. I'm done. Way too many Christians have slowed down or even stopped and they're not serving Christ nearly like they used to. May when he comes back, whether it be his second coming or your death, may it be all the way, all out all the time for Jesus. That's what he's saying here. That's how Paul finished. That's how we ought to finish. We don't know when he's coming back, so we serve him until he does. That's, that's what it says here. And if you're doing these th three things, and, and, and I think these are, they, these are the, they are the, the obedience, the, the active, the, the loyalty, all the way to the, to the end that, that you're serving him, that's what a faithful and wise servant is. I think a perfect example of this would be Noah, who we talked about earlier in the chapter, who did those exact same things. God told him to build an ark. He was obedient and did it. And he served him. Can you imagine how hard it was to build an ark in those days? Him and his boys out there every single day, all the time. I mean, that, 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 it consumed their life. It was an all-consuming service of God doing what he's told to do. And he did it all the way up until the rain fell. Noah was a faithful and wise servant. And if you're doing these things, you'll know, you won't dread his return. A lot of Christians dread it, don't want it, don't look forward to it. Why? Because they're not a faithful and wise servant. If you're a faithful and wise servant, then you won't dread it. You won't be ashamed when he comes back. You'll be ready for his return. And when he returns, I want to give you this, when he returns... If you're like this, if you're an obedient, active, loyal servant, then when he returns, he will reward you. This, this is good. Look what it says in verse 46. Blessed is that servant. Oh, that's a good word. Happy is that servant. Worthy is that servant. That, that when he comes back, he finds that servant and he, and he looks at him and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll give you, look what he says. Here's the reward he gives here. I'll give you more responsibility. You say, that's not much of a reward. He's giving me more work to do. That's a promotion. If you're faithful in the little things he gives you, then he will give you more things to do. This is a, a reward for service done. And you don't hear this much. I, I don't preach on it much. But I, I think that we need to preach on rewards. Amen. That Jesus promises us rewards. He says in Revelation 22, Behold, I come quickly... And he's bringing his rewards with him for those who work. 
I, I want to read that to you. I, I didn't quote it quite like I practiced it last night while the kids were playing hide and go seek. But Revelation 20, 22, 12 says this, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. There's a reward for the service that we do here now. I think there's a bad belief in, in, in Christianity, in the church today, that we're going to get to heaven and everybody's almost going to be like a communist state where everybody gets the exact same thing. You wear the same clothes, you, you, you live in the same house, and you drive the same car. I don't think there's going to be cars there. But everybody has the same exact thing. We're all going to get to heaven and there's going to be equity across the table where everybody has the same thing. It's just everybody is the same. I don't think that's true. Biblically, it's not true. I get that. We're saved by grace and no works are involved at all. Not a drop. But one of my favorite preachers says, but your works do go with you. And you will be rewarded for your works. I looked it up. You know what kind of rewards you'll get in heaven? There'll be, (laughs) you may not like this, but the Bible says there'll be different types of riches in heaven based on the work you do here now. It won't be everybody gets the same heavenly debit card and you've all got the same amount of funds on it and, and, and everybody's the same. You know, there's going to be different riches in heaven. Yes, there'll be some that are disappointed. The Bible says, and I'll just use this as my fourth or fifth subpoint. there'll be different real estate in heaven. There'll be somebody living with a little bit better place. Jesus will reward the works we do here. I'll give you another R. You want it? Riches, real estate, and responsibility in heaven. I think that's what this is talking about. That even in the millennial kingdom, if you're faithful here and now in this life, He'll give you more in the next. More responsibility, different role, a a rule over uh, over certain parts. I, I don't know how all that works out, but there are definitely going to be different rewards for the different work that we do here. You say, oh, I just, I'm just going to do the least I can. As long as I get to heaven, it'll be okay. That's not a faithful and wise servant. Amen. It's not. As long as I get in the door, I'll be fine. If he's offering rewards, we ought to want those rewards, work for those rewards, and do the very best that we can. Not the least that we can. We need to know, and this is not, not being taught, we need to know that what we do here now matters for eternity. Determines the reward of the next. That he will see all of it. And he'll reward every bit of it. Even the things that nobody sees you do here, he sees it and he will reward it. So your reward in the next life will be determined by your work in this life. This isn't about getting to heaven. We're saved by grace. But you better believe we're rewarded by our works. And we're going to stand before Him one day and some will get some rewards and some won't get any rewards and there will be a, a, some disappointment. You say, do I have to be a preacher? No, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be some big wig in Christianity. Whatever He's given you to do, you do it faithfully and wisely and He will reward you for that. You could be a faithful father who loved his kids and took them to church and read the Bible and lived it in your workplace and that's what God's called you to do and you served in the church and you did what he's called you to do faithfully and he'll reward you for that faithfulness. So be faithful to do what he tells you to do. So there you go. There's the ones that are ready. They're obedient. They're active. They're loyal. And they'll be rewarded for it. That's what it says. That's what the passage says. Now we need to go to the next one. We need to to be ready by being faithful. Get get that. Be ready by being faithful. I remember when my papa died. Just a personal story. Just coming to my mind. It's not in my notes. My uncle Mark got up, which was his dad. And he said a statement in a sermon about my papa. The funeral sermon. That stood out to me to this day. And that was years ago. He said he didn't need to start a seminary to make a difference. He just lived faithful, a faithful life. Amen. And his impact goes beyond his life. Just in his faithfulness. 
May we all be found faithful. Every single one of us with what God's called us to do. Being active and obedient and loyal and we will be rewarded. So that's the ready. Here's the not. These points are so simple. Here's the not. Here's my kids who wasn't ready for me to go find them last night. We turned it around. I'll tell you that. We did turn it around. Isaiah became the one who was looking. He went and counted. We all went and hid. And I found the perfect hiding place. I went to my bed, got under my blanket, said, I hope they never find me. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go to bed. Isaiah found me. Here's the knot. Obviously, I wasn't ready. I was, here we go. Here's the knot. The first one's the ready, and now here's the, the, the servant who's not ready. It says in verse 48, in contrast, it's not the, the wise and faithful servant, but a, an evil servant. He says, and if that evil servant, and, and what this means is that the, that one that's described as evil, it's, it's not that he's overly sinful. I, it can mean bad, it can mean wicked, but I, I think the meaning here is the worthless servant. That you're going to live your life either in a worthy way, working for Christ, or you're going to live it in a, in a worthless way. And there's a lot that's living worthless lives. That's what the word evil here means. It's, it's, it's worthless. It's the exact opposite of the first one. It's to be unfaithful and unwise or foolish. This is what we don't want to do. You don't want to be this. And you'll see why in just a second. No middle ground here. You're either the first one who's ready or you're the, the second one who's not. You're either faithful or you're unfaithful. Maybe when he comes back, he finds all of us being faithful and not unfaithful like this evil servant. And this evil servant, it says, look what he says. He said in his heart, I I like this. He said in his heart, the Lord delays. He's not coming back. He's been gone a long time. So you have two hearts there. One heart, the first servant says the Lord delays. I need to work harder. The other one says, the Lord's not coming back. I need to play harder. I need to live it up. Two different hearts. He's not coming back. I'm, I'm not going to be accountable for this for a long time. So I'm just going to live it up. And look what he does. He lived the exact opposite. I want to show you three things that he did. Sub point nine or ten. He lived a life of selfishness. Look what it says. My Lord delays, so here's what I'm going to do. And tell me how many Christians you see living like this. A life of selfishness. Not a life giving it to Christ and giving it in service of others, but a life that is selfish in that I'm living for me and not for anybody else. Look what it says. The first servant was totally sold out to to giving meat and and serving others and and giving everything that he had for the the, the master. This one is all about living for himself. Look what it says. This servant, because he's delayed, actually begins to smite his fellow servants. He's not serving, he's smiting. He's not loving them, he's hating them. The Bible is clear about those who hate the brethren. That they, they are not true Christians. That's first John. That's first John three fourteen. That's first John four twenty. This guy was not about others, he was about himself. And then and then it goes on. That instead of serving food, look what he does. He's eating food and drinking with the drunks. This this guy's living it up. You see, he's hanging out with bad company. He's doing whatever he wants to do. He's living a a, a selfish life. It's my utmost, not for his highest, but my utmost for my enjoyment. I'm giving everything that I have so that I can live a, a great life. It's all about me. He's doing what he wants. He's never saying no to the flesh. He is completely and totally sold out, not to Jesus, but to himself. And there's a lot of Christians like that today, that they'll give lip service to Jesus on Sunday every now and then. But the rest of the week, it's all about self. I'm doing whatever I want to do, however I want to do it. That's not a faithful servant. Jesus comes back and finds you being selfish? Living it up for yourself? Wow. He calls that evil. I'll give you another one. He's careless. A life of selfishness and a life of carelessness. He didn't care one thing about the master coming back. 
Didn't care one thing about what, what the master told him to do. He, you don't see anything in here at all about him doing anything for the master. It's all about doing for himself. He's smiling servants. He's eating and drinking. He's hanging out with, with the drunks. He's, he's doing what he wants. He's careless about the work of the master. I see so many people in churches that are careless about what's going on for Christ. No concern for the master. No concern for the master's command. No concern for the master's work. Careless. Selfishness. Carelessness. One more. Laziness. You see any work done here at all? Steph tells the boys that all the time. She'll go in the room, she'll say, when I come back, your room better be clean. And they're sitting there on their games with headphones on. And I don't know if they hear it. They just ignore it. Got you, Mom. She comes back, nothing's touched. Not a drop. The master's going to come back, and there's not a thing that he's done for the master. Nothing. Been lazy. He may have planned on it. Yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> that's, that's like the boys. Yeah, I'll get to clean my room. Mom won't come back for a while. I'll sit and play until she gets back. They, they might have planned on it, waited until later. But when he comes back, they've done absolutely nothing for the master at all. I, I hope there's not anybody in here who's doing absolutely nothing for the master. This describes an unfaithful life. This describes many Christians. They're all about themselves and nothing about Christ. That's scary. I think it describes, again, if faithfulness described Noah, I think unfaithfulness describes those up there. Look, look what it says in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in those days they were, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Just living their life however they please, doing whatever they want to do with no concern for anybody else but themselves. Unfortunately, that's a whole lot of people in churches today. I'm not even talking about unbelievers on the outside. That's how they should live. We're talking about Christians being ready for the return of Christ. It's scary. It's scary. Because look what he says next. You say, oh, it's not that big a deal. I'll lose some rewards, but I'm, li I'm still saved. Are you? Are you? The Bible says that, that when we're saved, we ought to give ourselves in service of Christ. Look what it says. I'm, I'm just, just, let me just read it. Verse 50. The Lord's going to come back. He comes when you're not looking. He comes when you're not aware. He comes when you're not ready. He catches you off guard. It's sudden. It's unexpected. All out of nowhere. And, and, and he's there. Uh-oh. I didn't get around to it. He left me to do something, and I never got around to doing it. And before you know it, he catches them living this way. How many Christians are going to get caught living a selfish, careless, lazy life? And when Jesus comes back, he catches them living drunk Jesus come back on a Saturday night he was going to find a lot of people who call themselves Christians drunk Jesus come back on Sunday he might find a lot of Christians that ain't even church careless lazy oh man I'm getting myself in trouble here not obedient forsaking the assembling of themselves together what is he going to tell you to do if Jesus was going to come back, oh, this is this is going to get so mean. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, many of you would be back in church tonight. If you knew Jesus was coming back, if, if, if he said, here, I'm coming back on Monday, today the church would be full. And I don't care about the cold or about COVID. The place would be packed. Oh, he, I, I'm not going to be held accountable to that till later. Just, just you said, Josh, you're being mean. No, I'm asking, are you ready? We need to live every single day. Like he could come back today. Look what it's saying. Let me just keep going on. He's going to come back when you're not ready for it. You know, I want to be found doing what I'm supposed to be doing when he comes back. I hope he comes back right now. I'm doing exactly what he's called me to do. Catch me at the right time. He might catch some living it up. 
Some live in wrong. Some live in sinfully. Some live in adultery. Some live in fornication. Some live in that long list of 1 Corinthians 6 sins. He might come back and find those who call themselves Christians living like that, unprepared for His coming. And it's too late to do anything. Look what it says. Wow. You say, oh, no big deal. <laughs> Look what it says. Verse 51. I mean, it, it might not sound like a big deal if you didn't have verse 51. Verse 51 is on another page for me. But So if I just left it there, he's going to come back when you're not aware of it. Ah, oh, no big deal. We all go to heaven. You know, it's okay. He's such a gracious God. He'll forgive. It's all right. He knows my heart. <laughs> but I have to turn my page. I don't know if you guys do. So I turn to verse 51 and I say, oh boy, you need to be ready here. Because this is a, this is a scary verse. Those who aren't ready prove themselves to be not saved. That's what it says. I mean, you, you, you can interpret that however you want to interpret it. But it's hard to take cutting asunder as a good thing. You know, you know what cutting asunder is? Cutting in half. This word goes back into the Old Testament when they would take a sacrifice and cut it in half. You say, wow. Look what it says. Let's keep going. Some people would say, well, Jesus doesn't sound very Jesus-y here, does he? Beware of anybody who would try to dumb this verse down. Don't downplay or soften the judgment of God. I think it's a grace that He opens our eyes and says, Uh-oh, I'm not ready. I better get ready. So He says He's going to cut us under. Cut in half. And then, look at this. He's going to appoint Him His portion with the hypocrites. He's going to put him with the hypocrites. Basically, you say, why did he put him with the hypocrites? Because they are hypocrites. He puts them with their kind. There's a place, a special place in hell for hypocrites. I think Judas was the worst sinner of all time, and he was a hypocrite. And the Bible says he has his own place. So he puts him with those who say, Lord, Lord, did I not? Lord, Lord, did I not? Prophesy in your name and do great things in your name and, and all these different things. I checked all the boxes. I was a nominal, name only, lip service Christian. But when Jesus returns, He's a revealer of the heart. And the heart was not right. So He takes them, because they're going to stand before Him in judgment like that. Right? That's what happens. They come unaware and all of a sudden they're living their life. They're, they're with the drunkards and they're, they're, they're eating and they're, they're having a good time and living selfish and, and careless and, and lazy lives. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're standing face to face in judgment with God Almighty. And they are surprised when He says, I'm cutting you asunder, casting you into hell with the hypocrites. What? I thought I was right. I thought I was ready. Give me more time. I need five minutes to get it right. Give me five minutes. There's no five minutes. There's no five seconds. It's too late. We must be ready. So he puts them in the place with the hypocrites. And what is this place? There's no other way to say this. Everywhere in Matthew you find weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a good thing. It's hell. The word weeping, uh, you guys don't need me to tell you this, but I'm a preacher, I have to. The place where there is weeping. I'm going to describe hell to you. Because the people who aren't ready, and again, there's two groups, so you're either ready or you're not. Ready, rewarded. Not ready, punished. You, you with me on that? Every one of us here needs to say, oh, I need to be ready. The punishment is weeping, grief, personal remorse over wasted opportunity. That the judgment is final and there's nothing more you can do. And all you have to do is to, to weep continually for all eternity. I had so many chances, I didn't take it, and now I'll spend eternity in hell because I was careless and selfish and lazy and I didn't take the opportunity He gave me. Weeping 
weeping. Our kids need to hear that. The more opportunities you get and you turn down, the more weeping you'll do in hell over the opportunities God gave you. I tell my kids that. There's, there's no kids in, in all, maybe in all the world that hears more preaching than they do. You, you better make sure that you're ready. They'll be weeping and they'll be gnashing of teeth. You guys know what this is. Grinding your teeth together, gnashing them. Some people say this is anger. I think this is pain. I think it's misery. I think it's endless sorrow and torment. Two weeks ago I preached with a pain in the neck on both sides. I couldn't move. Uh, Steph would look at me and I'd be sitting there gritting my teeth. There's no pain like a pain in the neck. And just for a second I'd lay and get a little bit of relief. And finally it got better and I can turn any way I want to turn now. I'm not stiff-necked or stubborn anymore. But in hell there's no relief. Not even for a second. Not even for a second. It's hell. There's no second chances. There's no do-overs. And it comes as a total surprise to them. It comes as a shock. Because they thought they had plenty of time. But they wasn't ready. And now they're standing face to face with the master. And they've done nothing. And there's nothing else they can do. That's a scary as it gets. The stakes are so high on being ready. This is not something for us to play with. This is not something for us to take lightly. I don't know why this stuff isn't preached more in churches. Are you ready? This servant wasn't ready. And there are so many in churches every single Sunday who aren't ready. There may be someone here today who isn't ready. Can you imagine that? That if Jesus come back right now, there's some in this room who are ready. They're active, they're obedient, they're loyal, they're serving, doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. What a Christian does, what a person who's had their heart changed does, a person who is regenerate does, a person who's saved does. And then there's others in this room. And in this room, in this room, there are some who are not ready. No doubt. They may think they're ready, but they're not. They're living a life of selfishness and carelessness and laziness and worldliness and hatefulness. No fruit whatsoever that they've ever been saved. And they're just hoping to creep in the door of heaven. Be careful that you don't get caught off guard. Look what it says. I, I want to read this verse and we'll, and we'll close. The Lord of the servant will come on a day you don't look for him. And an hour that he's not aware of. When he's not prepared. So what do you do? What do you do with this passage? We get back to our question. Are you ready? We examine our hearts. We do some soul searching. We look at our lives and we say, am I ready? Am I ready if Jesus was to return today? Am I ready if he was to return tonight? Am I ready if he was to return tomorrow? And if not, what do you need to do? What do you need to do right now? See, see that? that, that I'm not gonna, I don't want to put it off till later. I want to deal with it right now. What do you need to do right now to make sure that you're ready right now? We need to get that right right now, don't we? Every single one of us. So that we'd walk out of this building today and we'd walk out and say, I know right now beyond a shadow of a doubt, if Jesus was to return, I am ready. We need to do that right now. We need to do some business with the Lord today. Now. So you say, what do we need to do? Okay, let me get, let me give it to you. 
On one end, if you're a Christian here today, I call you to faithfulness to the Master. You need to, in this moment, make that commitment that I will be, from this day on, a faithful servant of the Master. I'm committing, I'm recommitting, I'm doing everything I can to be faithful to Him. I think it's time for us to do that. I think we're living in a day when Jesus could return. And I think we need to get busy now before it's too late. We need to serve more today than we ever have. Maybe you've backed off. Maybe you're not as committed as you used to be. Maybe, maybe you're just laying back. Maybe the, the signs of the time and the culture has made you bow down and to, and to, to live in fear. No, we need to, to push harder today than we ever have before. We need to get busy. We need to be faithful. We need to start serving. There's work to be done. And we need to, to obey whatever it is He tells us to do. If you've not been baptized, I tell you, do it today. Tell me today. We'll baptize you next Sunday. But don't put it off. Do what he tells you to do before it's too late. Maybe you've got some sin to confess. I'm going to give an invitation today. I don't do that very often. But I'm going to open up the altar and, and even you in your pews. And I'm going to give you a chance as, as we open up the altar to say, God, is there any sin I need to confess? Anything I need, I need to, to repent of? I, 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 don't, I don't want him to come back and me living in sin. I call the Christians today to live faithful lives. I don't want to, want to regret not giving him more. So our goal as people of this church, get this, God help me to be faithful and wise. A faithful and wise servant. Help me to be faithful in my life. That's all I want. I don't need riches. I don't need fame. I don't need followers. I don't need popularity. I don't need all that the world offers me. I don't need none of that. Thing, none of that. Success is faithfulness in the Christian life. That I will be found faithful all the way to the end. In my life. In my home. God help me to be faithful as a father. Help me to be faithful as a husband. Help me to be faithful in my work. Help me to be faithful as a pastor of this church and the, and the duty that you've given me to do. Help me to stand up every single Sunday and to faithfully exposit and explain the Word of God to the people. Don't let me bow down. Don't let me back down. Don't let me give in as times get hard. Help me to be faithful. Help me to be faithful in the church. To be giving and to be serving and, and to do everything that's, that's needed in the church. God help us today, me and you, to be faithful and wise servants. Ready for His return. That's our prayer today. And I want to give you that chance as we give a, a, an invitation here in a second. God, help me to be faithful and wise. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm not calling you to faithfulness. I'm calling you to faith in Christ. That's number one. I said that at the beginning. It's not your work that will get you right with, with, with God. It's the work of Christ that gets you right with God. You've you got to go to Him. You've got to stand before God. If you want to stand before God one day and be unashamed and unafraid, you better have your faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And there's urgency to this. I think there's urgency to the, the entire sermon Jesus preaches here. That, that He would say, please, guys, get this right. There's a Judas in the midst that needs to get right. And He didn't. And now He's in hell. There's an urgency to this in the church today that somebody in this room would go to hell if Jesus come back right now. You need to put your faith in Christ right now. I beg you, I plead with you. I, I think even the Spirit of God would, would draw you to come to Jesus and to be saved today. To come without, the, the old song says, to come without one plea. I don't have anything else. I have no other argument. I have no works to give. I have no morality that, that should get me right with you. I have no plea other than Jesus Christ died for me. That's all that I have. And that's enough to save anybody. If you'll come to Jesus today. If there's anybody in this room right now with a, just a sliver of doubt about where you'd spend eternity. If Jesus come back today, you better make it right right now. Or they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you will forever in hell remember a sermon that an old preacher preached in, in Big Stone Gap that called you to repentance and faith and you turned it down. Oh, that I would have went. 
Oh, that I would have put my faith in Christ at that point. Then I wouldn't be in hell for all eternity. So today, don't have any regrets. Come to Christ today. Ask Him to save you today. Would you do that today? Would you do it now? Before it's too late? I think everybody would say that as the clock ticks down for Jesus to return, that it's getting closer than it's ever gotten before. So what are you waiting on? A better sermon? A better day? What are you waiting on? Do it today. And you won't regret it. So ready or not, he's coming. The question is, are you ready? I'm going to ask Courtney to come and play a song. And we're going to give an invitation after I pray. And I'm going to open up the altar for Christians to make a commitment to be more faithful. And for those who aren't saved to put their faith in Christ for the very first time. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for passages like this. very sobering, hard passages to preach. Again, it's not theological. It's very practical. It gets down deep into our hearts and, and asks us to do some soul searching and see where we stand and God, I pray today that your word has done that and your spirit has revealed that so that people sitting in the pews right now in this moment are seeing where they stand truly for the very first time. And God, I pray that those people who are not ready, who would stand before you and be judged and sent to hell and have their place with the hypocrites, that they would now put their faith in you for the first time. They, they, they would pray and, and ask you to forgive them. That you, they'd pray and, and, and call out to you, Lord, and be saved. Please, God, do that work. Even if it's in the pews, sitting where they are, do the work by your Spirit. Make the change that I can't do. I can only bring the Word to the ear. You've got to put it in the heart. Please do that. And God, if there's Christians here, and I know there are, that we all need to be, me included, more faithful and more wise in our service of you. Help us to know what's most valuable, what's most important, and let us pour ourselves into that. And if there's anybody here that needs to, to confess some sins, repent of it before you, I pray that they would do it whether in their pew or here at the altar. But God, let us do some business here to, today so that we'll know for, for sure that we're ready for your return. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Courtney plays, the, the altar's open.